Hello everybody, this is Scott Saad. Uh, some of you may have heard that yesterday author Salman Rushdie was attacked uh, while he was on stage. Many of you may remember that in 1989, uh, the then Grand Ayatollah Khomeini of Iran had issued a fatwa, which is a religious edict or ruling, uh, regarding the killing, so it was a death fatwa, uh, the killing of Salman Rushdie, because Rushdie had written a book called The Satanic Verses, which was deemed offensive to Islam, and therefore in the 20, uh, at the time it was the 20th century, it was 1989, uh, we had, so this is 30 some years ago, we had a religious leader openly issuing a death fatwa to a person living in a free country in the West. And very, very few people spoke up. Of all possible people who could have spoken within the intelligentsia, a remarkably few stood by Salman Rushdie. And of course, none other than Christopher Hitchens, who's now passed away for more than 10 years. Boy, do we miss him in the West, in the world, uh, warned against these possibilities. And m many other people, including myself, have been warning about the dangers of being infinitely tolerant to intolerant ideologies, to be quiet, to being uh, politically correct in order not to hurt people's sensibilities. And as, as you know, of course, in the parasitic mind, I go into all this stuff. And as it so happens in the chapter uh, where I talk about non-negotiable elements of a free society, enlightened society, I, I head off a, ch a section with Salman Rushdie. So what I'd like to do next is read you that entire section. It starts on page 47 uh, of the parasitic mind. So here we go. The, the section is titled, I believe in, in free speech, but dot, dot, dot. The problem is the but. It is now part of the West's zeitgeist that we should not utter anything that might offend, anger, or insult anyone who is in a, quote, minority or a progressive. This was not always the case. The 1988 Salman Rushdie affair was a landmark in this new era of restricted speech. When his book, The Satanic Verses, was released, it, it immediately drew the ire of many members of the Ummah, the global Islamic community, who viewed it as blasphemous to their religion and prophet. Ayatollah Khomeini, then the supreme leader of Iran, issued a death sentence against Rushdie. Rushdie was forced to live under police protection. The novelist made a guest appearance on Larry David's highly popular television series, Curb Your Enthusiasm, mocking his own predicament by explaining why women are keen on having sex with a globally wanted man. Two passages from an article Rushdie wrote in 2005 make the succinct case for freedom of speech. Quote, the idea that any kind of free society can be constructed in which people will never be offended or insulted, or in which they have the right to call on the law to defend them against being offended or insulted, is absurd. Close quote. Moreover, open quote, the moment you say that an idea system is sacred, whether it's a religious belief system or a secular ideology, the moment you declare a set of ideas to be immune from criticism, satire, derision, or contempt, freedom of thought becomes impossible. Close quote. 
Now you see why I use those quotes. Progressives consider it laudable to criticize, mock, or insult all religious beliefs except for the one untouchable faith. To attack Islam in the West is Islamophobic, racist, and bigoted. If a Republican politician says he believes homosexuality is wrong because of his Christian faith, progressives are quick to express their outrage and horror and will organize protests accordingly. If ISIS members throw gay men off rooftops based on specific fatwas, the same progressives are deafeningly silent. After all, who are we to criticize the practices of the noble religion? It is apparently arrogant cultural imperialism to impose our values onto others, especially if they are members of the untouchable faith. In 2005, the Danish newspaper Yilands Posten published 12 cartoons that caricatured Muhammad, the prophet of Islam. Violence erupted around the world, resulting in the deaths of around 200 individuals. Several years later, Yite Clausen authored a book on the controversy titled The Cartoons That Shook the World. The publisher, Yale University Press, decided against publishing the caricatures in a book about the caricatures. Most major media outlets were equally cowardly and refrained from printing the cartoons on their platforms. Nearly 10 years later, the Charlie Hebdo massacre occurred in Paris. This satirical magazine had blasphemed against Islam, and so Muslim terrorists attacked its employees, brutally massacring 12 people and seriously injuring several others. Christianity is repeatedly criticized and mocked, and yet Christians do not respond with such violence or anything like it. In 1987, Andres Serrano's photo titled Piss Christ, depict, depicting a crucifix in the photographer's urine, won an award that was partly sponsored by the National Endowment of the Arts, an agency of the United States government. Many Christians were clearly upset by it, but they did not lead violent protests. In 2009 episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry David, co-creator of Seinfeld, visits the home of an employee and while using the bathroom inadvertently splashes urine on an image of Jesus Christ in the restroom. The employee, unaware of David's mishap, interprets it as a divine tear. It is difficult to imagine a more offensive storyline to to the more than 2 billion Christians in the world, and yet no one was killed as a retaliation against this puerile humor. The, Aust the Austrian film Paradise Faith featured a woman masturbating with a crucifix, and yet it won a jury prize at the 2012 Venice Film Festival. The Book of Mormon is a highly successful musical that makes fun of various practices of the Mormon religion. It has won a Tony Award and has grossed more than $500 million on Broadway alone. And yet no Mormon explosion of anger and violence has taken place. Contrast these tame reactions to what happened in 2012 when an ineptly produced short movie titled Innocence of Muslims triggered mass protests in many countries, resulting in more than 50 deaths and a death fatwa being issued on the film's producer, director, and actors. There was, there was even a debate within the upper echelon of the United States government as to whether the 2012 attack on an American compound in Benghazi, Libya, 
resulting in the death of four Americans, including a U.S. ambassador, was a violent response to the film. Holocaust deniers engage in perhaps the most egregious form of offensive speech. They constitute an affront to human decency, as they reject the well-documented historical fact that millions of Jews were systematically exterminated. Of all possible falsehoods, the denial of the Holocaust is an unrivaled murder of the truth. And yet I, a Jewish man who escaped religious persecution in Lebanon, support the right of Holocaust deniers to spew their vile and inhumane garbage. It is difficult to imagine a greater manifestation of what it means to be a free speech absolutist. If you truly understand the meaning of free speech, then you must agree with the following. Quote, there is simply no better alternative than to allow those with unpopular views to express them and to allow those wishing to hear, hear them to do so. Close quote. You can find the reference in my book, The Parasitic Mind. The quote, I believe in free speech, but close quote crowd violates the foundational ethos of what it means to have free speech. Usually what comes after the but is an appeal to refrain from hurting people's sensibilities and feelings. The general idea is that we must weigh our freedom of speech against the right of others to not be offended. No. Freedom of speech is precisely meant to protect the most obnoxious, offensive, and disgusting speech. It does not exist to ensure that you only levy beautiful compliments at me. Occasionally, being offended is the price that one pays for living in a truly free society. Your feelings might get hurt, grow a pair, and move on. Needless to say, being a free speech absolutist comes with the usual provisos, including that screaming fire in a theater, inciting violence against others, and engaging in defamatory and libelous discourse are not protected speech. But the opponents of free speech are trying to contort those, these common sense restrictions to suit their own purposes. One of the ways that the West is losing its will to fight for freedom of speech is by enacting hate speech laws. Several prominent European figures have been prosecuted under the broad shoulders of hate speech, including the Dutch parliamentarian Geert Wilders, mentioned earlier, the president of the International Free Press Society Lars Hedegaard, and Austrian activist Elisabeth Sabatich-Wolf. In all these cases, these individuals and many others got into legal troubles for criticizing Islam. Under the watch of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Canadian parliamentarian Ikra Khalid introduced Motion 103, which originally stemmed from E411, a petition to the House of Commons initiated by Samir Majzoub. Both the petition and the motion, neither of which is law, sought to combat, quote, Islamophobia, which is a nonsensical concept. In a free society, people have every right to mock, condemn, criticize, despise, and fear any ideology. Perhaps the most chilling attempt to quell the right of individuals to criticize religion, and by that I mean one particular religion, has come from the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, the OIC, composed of 56 countries and the Palestinian territories. 
They constitute the largest voting bloc of the United Nations, and as such, it is perhaps not surprising that Israel receives far more official UN condemnations than all brutal regimes in the world combined. The OIC has repeatedly attempted to get Western nations to adopt the Cairo Declaration on Human Rights in Islam, which would oblige signatory nations to punish anyone who criticizes Islam. This repeated quest to impose Sharia-like restrictions on free speech regarding Islam is receiving a sympathetic hearing in the West, including from former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and former President Barack Obama, who famously stated in an address to the United Nations Assembly that, quote, the future must not belong to those who slander the prophet of Islam, close quote. On the contrary, Mr. President, the future must belong to those who criticize, mock, ridicule, and satirize all prophets, ideas, religions, and ideologies. End of my reading. So this is from page 47 to 51 in my book, The Parasitic Mind. The attack on Salman Rushdie is an attack on humanity. It is an attack on freedom. It is an attack on freedom of conscience, on freedom of speech, on the, an attack on individual dignity, on an attack of everything that has made the West this anomalous oasis in a history of humanity littered by bloodshed, intolerance, hatred, dictatorial, autocratic power. So if you're watching this right now, and you say, but why should I get involved? I don't know Salman Rushdie, but I'm afraid. What if someone hates me? What if someone comes after me? Then you are part of the problem. The attack on Salman Rushdie is emblematic of what happens to a society that does not defend the foundational values that constitutes free societies. There is never a case where it is okay to equivocate about the some would say God-given right, of free individuals to mock, criticize, ridicule, deride any ideology. Have a good day, everybody. And our thoughts are with you, Salman. Cheers.